everybody, welcome to Game Goose. Today is November 18th, 2020. This is Season 3, Episode 16. Howdy ho! Hope you're all doing well. My name is Dan Curry. I'm having a decent day. Uh, Neil, how are you doing over there in New York? <laughs> I'm good. I like that I'm having a decent day to no one. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm doing fine. Everything is uh, sunshine and rainbows over here. Except no sunshine and rainbows. I like how you got a blanket going on. It's really cold in here. Um, for some reason, usually my my buildings like I, I don't control my heat because I live above a uh, above a business, so my furnaces are constantly going on. But they haven't been on for like the last two days, and it's actually freezing here. So Yikes. blanket time. Nice. And your stepdad's old sweater. I was wondering where you got that Central Michigan <laughs> sweater. I forgot when to get this to me, but I still got it. Nice, nice. Uh, Clinton, how are you doing? I'm good. I just woke up with woke up with I just woke up from a nap. I got home from work a little early, so I decided to take a little nap. You know, sometimes it's hard to wake up when you're napping, so we'll see how I do today. <laughs> <laughs> it is true. Sometimes it's hard to wake up when you're napping. Um, what games have you guys have been playing? Who wants to go first? You. I'll take it. Um Apex. Of course. Uh, I had uh, I took Thursday and Friday off last week just because there's nowhere to go in these COVID times. So I didn't want to get on a plane, so I just took a long staycation. Played a bunch of games, took a bunch of walks, uh, notably Apex. Um, uh, got pretty far in that. Still really loving it, loving the new map. Dan Carl and I got three wanked, wanked, three wanked wins. <laughs> three ranked wins yesterday. That felt good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> One of which we totally, well, we deserved it, but we basically just got it through surviving and not really fighting. Uh, and I've been playing, uh, as always, I want, you know, some Souls-like game. And with EA Pass now on Game Pass, I've taken to uh, Star Wars Jedi The Fallen Order. The Fallen Jedi Order. I forget what what order the words come in, but that game. Um which is which is good. Which is good. It's a fun. It's it's. I think I've actually almost beat it. Um, but it's filling my, it's filling my soul's uh, fix. Uh, I have a couple problems with it. Um, namely, like I, I think it's actually closer to Sekiro than it is Dark Souls, where a lot of it is based on parrying and like you don't have a shield or anything. You just have a lightsaber. It's all about attacking to break someone's posture so you can open them up for to do real damage. Um, their visual language with a lot of their characters isn't as clear as it should be or it, or it is in other games. Like, like when parry is essential and, you know, with lightsabers, double-sided lightsabers, people are swinging around like a, a windmill. Like, I don't know when to block a disc. Like, where, at, one po- at what point is the attack going to hit me? Um, um, but other than that, the combat's, the combat's doing it for me. There's a little too much platforming, like, climb on the, climb on these vines, get to the edge of the vines, reach over to the right, jump to the next set of vines. Um, that all happens very slowly, and I'm sure somebody loves it. It's not me. Um, that just feels like a way to stretch out your game. Um, there's other elements where, like, you, you slide down ice slopes and mud slopes and while you're sliding you need to do um you need to do interesting things like 
stop a wheel so you can jump like stop a cog so you can jump through the hole while you're sliding down a and the idea is there but the execution isn't um i get that your controls should be kind of sloppy when you're sliding like that but it's just sometimes it feels like it's just out of your hands like you have no control of uh, like one of the hardest ones i probably fell off an edge four or five times i was like okay i'm just not going to touch my controller and that worked i just let my character's gravity do it it just Slowed it down, press A, slow it down, press A, which I, I don't feel like that should be the case. Uh, but but I, I, I'm just nitpicking. For, for a game I'm playing for free, I'm having a lot of fun with it. Um, it's definitely, I'm playing it on the, out of four difficulties, I'm playing it on the third. And it's not as punishing as a Souls game. So if, you, if you've always been curious and if you like Star Wars... Um, I think that's a good place to start. Um, cinematically, I've been, I do not enjoy Star Wars. I don't hate it, but it's just, it's nothing to me. Uh, the The story has been, it's very cinematic. The cutscenes look good. The voice acting is good. The story has been, it, it's fun to follow. Um, Star Wars and Avatar, um, The Last Airbender. Av- both of them are really good at making companions and you get a really cute droid that follows you around and helps you uh named art bd bd1 uh and and he's been delightful uh but yeah how much, no. use, how much use of the force is there in that game because like I, i'm kind of curious Ooh, someone someone's got the text it's, um yeah, we're not in our normal time so i got gotcha. silent <clears throat> um like you know, I know the Force Unleashed is probably a much different game, uh, but I think you know. So, is there like a lot of Force use? Is there not? You know, I know you are a Jedi, correct? Yeah, you are a Jedi, and you uh, you have a your Force meter is essentially your mana, um, and you have a skill tree that unlocks different things like pushes and pulls and a lightsaber throw and like special lightsaber attacks, all all of which. Um, use force and through damaging enemies you get force back eventually through like using your healing item you'll get force back um but it's definitely not force forward uh you need to you need to earn it and use it uh pretty liberally um until i'm at the end of the game and i can use it pretty constantly my one issue with force is that it's really powerful against like normal enemies and uh bosses just kind of shrug it off and i get that like when you're fighting but i'm fighting another jedi and he gets to force choke me and slam me into the ground and i get that i don't have that move but i'm supposed to be strong too why when i force push him does he just walk through it why don't i have a a block button or a or at least not like not something super offensive but why am i scared of it why does it always push me back right why am I a weaker Jedi? Like you're telling me I'm the one I'm fighting the last boss. Like why is her force better than I mine? I'm going to beat her. You know, I'm going to beat her. Right. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, I, there's, I get that they don't want the, they don't want the character to be overpowered, but there are a couple things where I'm like, like one thing that's like a, a trope in star Wars though. Is it like not necessarily the, the person is... with the stronger force powers wins. Yeah. It's the person with hope. Yes. Um, but one of the last thing I'll say is one of the first things you get is an ability. It's for slow. You hit a you hit an enemy and they're slowed for a small amount of time. But um, in that, 
their actions are slower, like their character model moves slower, but it's a game where you lock onto a target and, you know, you circle each other. They don't slow as you turn them. So they'll be moving really slowly, but their character model will move perfectly in line with you and just like really rotate. yeah <laughs> I don't remember mine like, doing that <laughs> yeah uh which is which is kind of annoying like if you're gonna give me this ability like either find a way to tone it down so it's not as strong or 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 let me be a jedi let me do what i was trying to do get behind him and hit him uh it doesn't happen with all the enemies but i've noticed it happening a lot with bosses and a lot with like the beast enemies like They'll be charging up for a pounce, and I'll be like, slow, so he can't pounce on me. And then I'll move to where he's clearly not aiming, and then he comes back to normal time, and he, you know, rips a sweet 90-degree turn in midair and <laughs> nails me. I was like, okay, well. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, but it's fun. Give it a try. Uh, there, there's yeah. plenty. It's, it's good. It's good. Check out my list. What have you been playing, Clinton? Uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. That's all I've been playing. I'm excited to hear about this. Both of you have been playing it. I've played probably 20 hours or so by now. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun. I've been really enjoying it. The story is... Uh, I don't know. The story is okay. It's you're a Viking whose uh, stepbrother, adopted brother, whatever. Adopted brother. Uh He's in line to be king in Norway, uh, and then his dad abdicates the throne, and so you head off to England with your brother to forge a new clan and a new land where your brother can be king. Um, and so you're just trying to fight off the Saxons and the other Danes that are already, or the Danes that are already uh, in England uh, via raiding and fighting and murder and assassination and all of that so in this one you're not actually part of the assassin's guild or whatever the fuck you want to call it that's um, what i was wondering so no like hidden blade this time no no no. there, there is, is the hidden blade. blade uh she there wears no her hidden... your character there... wears it on the outside of their arm so there was uh, no hidden blade in the last game right clinton in bayek creates it in whichever one that one is in uh, um, odyssey, odyssey? Origins. Yeah. Okay, but in Odyssey, I don't think it was there because wasn't the whole thing with this one that it's back? So I never got it in Odyssey. However, I didn't play that long. Long. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's in Odyssey. Maybe not though, because uh, I think that character cuts his finger off. Is right. where the let whole check, thing comes from. Let me check with the wife. You keep talking. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure which one it is, but yeah, the one of the guys in the one of those games invents it or whatever, and then cuts his own finger off with it, and that's part of the like Assassin's Creed lore thing. Uh, but... You have to like cut your finger off to use the blade, right? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. design of it was yeah. in a way that you didn't have to, but if you weren't careful you'd end up cutting your finger off. Gotcha. Um, Courtney believes that it was not. Let's okay, yeah, I don't remember. Uh, but yeah, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. The, the exploration is pretty good. Uh... Everyone I keep hearing comparing it to like Skyrim or Breath of the Wild, but I don't think it compares to those. Uh, I don't know what it is normally, but I have the HUD set to like the highest difficulty, and it's still like very like search beacons. Like this is where there's treasure. Like go here, get treasure. 
and I'm kind of disappointed with that because uh, I was hoping for like Breath of the Wild. I turn the HUD off, and there's like just a tiny little mini map, and that's it. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's very much like, hey, come here for treasure. It's right here. Like, come, like right here. Come on, where are you going? Nope, you're going past <laughs> it. It's right here. It's right here. Come on. Uh, but the whole thing, and like the puzzles to get to the treasure, are pretty samey. Uh, mm-hmm. I haven't seen much variation in that. There's like three different things. It's just like a shoot a hole in the wall and or shoot like a wicker wall and it'll break uh blow up a weak wall with a pot and it'll break or move some uh crates out of the way and yeah. then you can get through or find uh, a window to crawl in That's the other one. yeah or shoot a shoot a barred door through a window mm-hmm. it's not there's not a lot of variation and they're not difficult or really all that interesting uh which I mean, there's there's definitely like a good and a bad to that. Like if every single treasure is hide locked behind some super massive genius level IQ puzzle, then no one's gonna do them. But if they're like super simple and samey, it just kind of becomes repetitive. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's good. The combat is way more fun than the previous two they got rid of the dumbass negative ne- nemesis system with the bounty hunters it seems like there are still like the bounty hunters out there but they give you an opportunity to like reduce your renown with them in this one versus in previous games where it's just like okay well here's a guy that's 70 levels higher than you and he's just hunting you for the next three hours because yeah. you can't get away from like him seems like they're kind of more locked to a region so you don't run into them until you're right. yep yeah they're like yeah locked into like a certain area kind of thing uh but yeah i don't know it's been a lot of fun i'm enjoying the story the uh the way it kind of works is you pledge to go to an area and kind of gain their uh support for your king uh and by doing that it's each little area has like a mini storyline uh, it's probably like two hours long, three hours long, eh, maybe a little longer than that even. But there's like little storylines contained in each area, and you go there and help the person either solidify their claim as king or to murder who's trying to usurp them or whatever it is. Uh, but yeah, it's fun and it's interesting like to see kind of all of the dumb English names that are around <laughs> in the. In, yeah, they make jokes about it like that's not how that's spelled. <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah, it's fun. I'm enjoying it. The storyline so far is pretty captivating. I mean, it's not like groundbreaking in any way, uh, but it's is interesting. there is there any like animus in this one? Yeah, yeah. Uh, as soon as you leave Norway for the first time, it kind of pops you out, and I think that's really the only time it does. It seems like. Maybe later on there's some stuff, but there's like little. Uh, I hate I hate that modern part. Like I feel like they need to find a way to cut that from future games. I don't know. Everyone bitches about it, and everyone bitches about like the kind of mythology parts of these last three games, and everyone bitches about the like fire runes that you get and stuff. I don't know. And people are always like, well, this was a game that they took the crossbow out because it wasn't accurate. Like, what happened to that Assassin's Creed? And it's just like, that's, I mean, that was 10 years ago, guys. Like, yeah. would you still be playing it if you were, if it was just Assassin's Creed 2 every time? Like, yeah. <laughs> obviously, like, they leaned into the whole mysticism thing with the Mayan calendar in 2012 and none of you cared then. 
and like they've just kind of gone with that and people are thinking like this trilogy is like the kind of mythical trilogy like origins odyssey valhalla See, I haven't really run in in any of the mysticism yet. Like, I haven't run in because I know, you know, they they're Vikings, so they talk about Thor and they talk about Odin and stuff like that. But yeah. I haven't actually run in into any like. Oh, you if you start and yeah, if you start assassinating the like Templars, oh, whatever they're called wait now. A minute. I I remember now. There is a moment. There's where a lot of Odin stuff. Odin kind of hangs out and chats with you. You take drugs and you have gone like a spirit quest. So there's like a lot of that kind of stuff in there. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know how like people don't like the animus. Uh, I think it's interesting. I think it's like a nice way to ground you back to like an interesting storyline. Cause I think the whole like Templar animus storyline was really interesting. And I think it got kind of convoluted as Desmond w- like went on and then Desmond died and they kind of tried to restart it and it just got even more convoluted. Uh, but I think it's interesting kind of like taking that, the historical things like the Apple of Eden and things that you run into in that part and then linking them to modern day and kind of seeing how they're being used for different purposes now and how it's like not so great here and there and like maybe good in other ways and stuff i don't know it's interesting i've i think the animus stuff is cool uh and it's really like maybe a 15 minute chunk of this game so if you really feel so strongly about it i don't know it's not gonna bother you too much it'll be over soon yeah yeah um i've been playing it i'm not as far as clinton um i agree with mostly all of his parts all, all the things that he said um the yeah i think i agree with you being with the um the gold like finding the treasure is one of the more weaker points yeah um, it, it, they're all the same but i think the best parts are the mysteries uh if you go to those so um do you think i think i don't think this game reminds me a lot of breath of the wild there are definitely some breath of the wild vibes in certain points i think it took a little bit of um move your mic closer to you Okay, I think it took a little bit of uh, some ideas from them. I think that the the main thing, and I think this game made me realize what I don't like about these AAA open world games, is that I get really overwhelmed with them because you collect all these side quests, and when you open your quest menu and you have this huge list of like to dos, it makes me feel like, wow, I'm never going to experience this whole game. You know, like, and I think that makes me want to not play it because I'm like, man, I'm never going to be able to play anything else because there's so much to do. I might as well just quit now. And I think they kind of took a page from Breath of the Wild where your quests are just kind of the main things and everything else is stuff you stumble upon in the world. So there's kind of just like a, a blue dot and you go there and then there's a thing that just happens right in the area. You don't have to pick up a quest and be like, oh, I heard a tale of a man in the woods and he's trying to you just walk up to it and it happens. Um, and that's a, I think it's a much better way to tell a story and it cuts out just kind of this unnecessary thing that almost every side quest has where someone tells you to go to a different area and complete something. Yeah. And it's one of the most boring parts of side quests. So you just walk up and the thing happens as opposed to uh, being told, Hey, if you go do this, then the thing will happen. Yeah. I really like that. It kind of reminds me of, um, the freaks and weirdos in Grand Theft Auto five where they're marked on your map. And as you walk up, just you just start talking to the person and the thing happens 
So I really enjoy that. And I think that's kind of like uh, Breath of the Wild. And it makes me feel like, okay, when I'm ready to move the story forward, I just go to my menu and I pick one of these three things that are part yeah. of the main story. And if I want to mess around, I mess around and do side quests. And it doesn't overwhelm me with, wow, I'm never going to finish all this stuff. <laughs> um, so, and there's some funny ones. I ran, have you run into the guy who has the axe in his head? No. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it's like, it, it's, it's a really good way to just do side quests that don't, that aren't these big, long, hour-long things to do. I just ran into a guy. He has an axe in his head. He told me he had a battle and something's wrong with his head. Could I check it out? And I just have an option to tell him he has an axe in his head or he doesn't. And I was like, dude, you got an axe in your head? He's like, thanks for being honest. Can you take it out? And I was like, you're going to die. And he's like, all right. <laughs> and uh, like, very, it was very funny. And I, it just happened. And I was like, see, that's like a fun side quest. And I just stumbled upon it. I didn't have to go to like some bounty board. There's no bounty boards where it's like a man was in a battle and need your help with a medical, like all that stuff is gone. And I really like that. And I think that's what they took from breath of the wild. Um, the Skyrim things. I think people think about it just cause it's Vikings and Norse and the snow and the mountains and the way they talk. And they talk about Jarls. Um, the only really thing I can see that is like Skyrim at all is you find those books that give you um, powers. And that's kind of like the dragon walls, but very, yeah. very, <laughs> not very, but I like that. It makes me like, it's something to search out and go, Oh, I'll get a new power. If I find this thing. And yeah, just another thing to the map. Um, the only thing I don't like about walking up to the people in the quests is sometimes it is difficult to understand what to do. Um, Cause you don't, you can't, if you miss like a, a piece of dialogue or something, you can't go into the quest and go, Hey, this is what he needs to do. And sometimes I'll be like, ah, shit, what did that guy just say? Like, yeah. <laughs> you might supposed to follow him. And I've had some issues where someone wants me to follow them and I do, and I'll lose track of them. And the quest marker is back where they started and it doesn't follow the actual person. Um, so then I'm like, ah, shoot. So I have to like look around for the person like, ah, where'd they go? We got in a fight and then I turned around and he's gone. So you kind of got to do like circles around to kind of find that. And that's the only real issue I found with it. But otherwise, I think it's really effective and just a more fun way to make a game as opposed to giving you like a checklist of to do's. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I've had a few bugs here and there with quests. Mm -hmm. I had yesterday the, uh, I found a cat and as soon as I found the cat, it like, it didn't say anything about it, but uh, I kept playing for probably like another 45 minutes. Uh, luckily, it was like cutscenes and things. Uh, and then as soon as I got out of the cutscenes, I uh, went to the next part of the quest, and the the quest guy that I'm following stole my horse. Uh, and so I didn't have a horse to ride. And when I tried to call my horse, my horse would just like, cause since he was on it, it would just like stay there. So I walked far enough away and whistled for my horse, which it came to me and I go back and he's not on a horse anymore. Cause it pulled my horse from him. And so he's just like slowly walking along and like, I knew that where we were going was going to be like forever and a half away. So I tried to reload and it was like like save corrupted and like the last uh, like 15 auto saves were all corrupted and so i like tried to reload other ones and it just like wouldn't do anything it would go to the like it kicked me to the main menu like the title screen where you like pick a profile to play under and it pick a profile hit a to start and it would like room like start and then it would kick me back back to the 
pick a profile screen. So I had to like fully shut the program down and then reopen it. And uh, went back in, reloaded the most recent one, and it was right when I got the cat, and it worked after that. It was fine. And then the guy didn't steal my horse, and he got on his horse. And I want to double back to Jedi for, for one bug, because I forgot. This game was ridiculed when it came out because it was buggy as hell. Um, they've cleaned a lot of it up, but there's a, there's a little short animation. I mean, this has, it's the souls. Like it has a bonfire. It has these little meditation circles where you kneel and then you can like rest and get all your healing back. I mean, he takes like one or two steps and then he sits down. Um, so I tried to meditate at something, uh, just to like check my skill tree. I didn't really need it. Um, and he didn't do anything and I hit it again and he didn't do anything. I was like, oh, yeah, fuck it. I'll just go. I'll just go about my business. So I jump off this ledge where where the circle is onto the ground below where there's a bunch of enemies. I start fighting enemies and I jump over one. And mid-jump, my dude just stands straight up in the air and then starts starts walking slowly upwards towards the meditation circle. (laughs) That's great. I think I have a clip of it. That's great. I have a clip of it. I'll send it. But they fixed a lot of the stuff I saw that was wrong initially. I've seen a couple people enter battlefields T-posing with their weapon, like right in front of their face floating. Yeah. Uh, But those two are really the only ones. (laughs) I've had a few cutscenes that were in Valhalla where, like, there's one where the lady is, uh, she's trying to tend to a guy's head wound or something. And, uh, it loaded in and he's just standing there. And so she's like on the ground, like at his ankles, like <laughs> fucking around with him. And he's just standing there. She's like, hold still. Like, like your head's bleeding. And he's just standing there. <laughs> I just had like a character, like a side quest, not quite work. I don't think the way it was supposed to. And then someone, the character was following me. I was like, I'm giving up on this quest. I don't know how it's supposed to work. So the character that was following me got on my horse with me, and as soon as I got too far away, he just blinked out of existence. Was, oh, he's gone. I was like, is he going to follow me forever? Like, weird. Um, but yeah, you have like more, a like, settlement, and you like oh, grow yeah. the settlement and stuff. I was you just going to gonna like, say the raids are really fun. Yeah, so you have to get uh, supplies, and to do that, you have to go out and do raids, which I think is a huge improvement over previous uh, Assassin's Creed games because I think they want you to have like those big battles so that like melee focused characters can like do like their melee stuff. Mm-hmm. And in Odyssey and Origins, the the whole thing was kind of marred because they had these big battles where you're like running into like two Greek armies that are fighting. And if you're an assassin, like you have zero chance of like really like fighting well because you get surrounded by seven guys and they just wail on you and you have no like indication when to dodge when a dude behind you is charging you with a spear and stuff. Whereas this one, it's more like organic in how those happen. And if you need to, you can climb on the buildings and stuff that are around because in the battlefield ones, there was just nothing to get away from anyone. You're just in the middle of this giant battle full of people. Yeah. And you could definitely like, as the raid is going on, you could like be stealthy and like Mm -hmm. go and get the the treasures for Mm -hmm. yourself and stuff like that. Yeah. It's cool. The raids are really neat and they're fun and you can do them whenever you want. It's not like the battles that were kind of planned in the story. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I'm going to go do a raid. And if you're, as long as you're the right level and one's near you, you can go do it. Yeah. 
Um, I did try to do a raid that was like, I didn't realize it was like a lot higher level. So I was just like, yeah, yeah Ray, let's do it and hit it and went into it. And everyone goes running in and all the guys just kill us in one hit. <laughs> it's like, you do sing. I was like watching everyone die as I'm running. I was like, what the hell? And then I just get stabbed by a spear and die. I was wondering how bad they were. You went <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Not doing that I, one. I mean, I made a mistake. I didn't read. There's a book in your room that kind of tells you what you should work on in your settlement, like in certain order. And I didn't read it. And so after my first settlement, I had enough for two buildings. And I picked the one that was part of the quest. And then I picked a different one. And I was like, ah, shoot. I was supposed to do a different building. Yeah. So I wanted to go do another raid. And all the ones around me were too high. And I was like, should I try <laughs> it? Or should I just try to do another mother? So I ended up doing the other stories and then yeah. coming back. So. Yeah. There doesn't seem to be as much stealth in this. Like in Odyssey, I remember like going into fortresses and hiding a lot and all that stuff. But I again I'm not very far, so I don't know if more of that comes in. Because I know you're kind of a Viking and the Assassin's Guild is kind of teaching you how to be stealthy, so I'm assuming that more of that will come. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I thought it had like a good amount of stealth, but I guess that's just how I play. When I go into areas, I try to be as stealthy for as long as I can, and then yeah, yeah as soon as someone spots me, I just go Viking and start chopping heads <laughs> off. Everybody. Yeah, yeah. I just got the um, dual yeah. wielding heavy weapons, which is super cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I was, I'm trying to decide what I want to do, um, and that's weird. I there's also a character you get to create that's like your number two, yeah. that like. If you on raids, is that the only thing they're there for? I guess, yeah, they take up a slot in your long ship. I don't know. Okay. <clears throat> There's yeah. other people you can go badass. pick up and stuff, but Yeah, I have this badass tall woman who has all these two giant axes and she just bucks people up. So yeah. it's pretty cool. You can make them like just give them fists so they only fist fight and just running around punching people and shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Um I'm not a huge Assassin's Creed person. Usually I will just grab one, maybe, if Courtney says it's good. And I liked Odyssey for a certain, like, a little bit, but I like this one a lot more. Yeah, I'm trying um, to remember, like, which is which, and I can't, I can't Origins remember which is, is Pyramid Origins one. and which is Odyssey. Odyssey is Greeks. Um, the last one but, I played was the... Are you Native sure? Are you sure it's not the other way? Or yeah, Origins but, is Yeah, because I've, I've never played Origins, um, and Origins it has pyramids on the cover. Um, and I've never played it. And Odyssey was the one I played where you could climb on the Greek thing on the Greek penis. Okay. And uh, and Get you could that be Zeus dick. Yeah, and uh, I think you fight a Minotaur at one point. So yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so I, the reason I got Assassin's Creed Valhalla was because I got the Xbox Series X, which I want to talk about before I move on real quick, because um, I've had more time with it, and I wanted a like true next gen game. Um, to kind of see how it is and it looks great but to be honest it doesn't look any better than the games that have been upgraded to xbox series x so um, it looks really good um i think that one and forza horizon are the two that really blow me away um apex is also really good looking ray chasing is really neat it's cool to actually see light work how light works and see reflections I think I mentioned it last time. I had a gun that was really reflective, and it's weird to see like shadows and things like that in the gun. Um, so that that's really cool. That Tetris Effect game was super fun. I beat that. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, if even if you don't like Tetris, give that a shot. Put on some headphones. Really cool. Um, really cool stuff. Um, but the one thing I wanted to mention was the Halo Master Chief collection has just been updated. 
So, of course, the first thing I did was go to the Master Chief Collection and put in Halo Combat Evolved to see what it looks like at 60 frames a second in 4K. And it looks different. <laughs> it looks very awkward because it was made for things that didn't have anywhere close to these resolutions. I mean, the game is 19 years old, I think. Just turned 19. And so everything in old games was really flat and kind of fuzzy. <laughs> yeah now it's flat and very clear so it's so weird looking like it looks like everything's made of glass um <laughs> i don't i don't want to say it doesn't look bad it definitely looks better but it just looks so awkward just sharper yeah yeah it is very awkward but um so that was the first one i did and the second one i did it i jumped into halo 2 remastered the anniversary um and that looks awesome like that looks like it just came out um and it has looks like it has the ray tracing the water and stuff is like really cool looking um so super neat um overall uh the not having load times is the the biggest thing there's no game that is out for it that isn't available anywhere else so if you're like if you have the money and you want to be prepared and you want to see the ray tracing and you want to have no load times great great device to have um but if you are you know if you're if you're not really into that kind of stuff and you're yeah, it's totally cool to wait there i don't think there's any reason to need one right now um there hasn't been any issues with xboxes for the most part that i see um so it's not like you got to wait for like bugs to get worked out um but some for of the them most were part, having disc tray issues but it was yeah um but yeah so if you i i I would definitely, especially because you can play every game. Um, so it's it's uh, it's a cool machine, but you can definitely wait for for a bit before you you have to get one. I'm gonna go over to my buddy's house this weekend and hang out, and uh, he just got a new PS5, so I'm gonna see what that looks like. Yeah, that, that, and he's uh, gonna give me his old PS4, and I'm gonna play Bloodborne. Neil is so hard for Bloodborne. <laughs> so hard for Bloodborne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i'm gonna talk excited. about it so much next week and i'll yeah. probably have a day under my belt yeah because that was i you know i did consider getting the ps5 first because it seemed like they were going to have games that are only available um on the ps5 um but then just decided to get the the series x instead um and, and overall it's kind of pretty cool that you can have the series x and i can plug it plugged it in and i'm still playing games with my friends that have xbox ones like that's never really happened before so, like, if, when I got my Xbox One, I couldn't just be like, hey, you want to play this game with someone who has a 360? Um, so it's, it's, it is kind of neat that these lines are being blurred in, in some ways. But, again, then you can wait longer before you actually have to make an upgrade. It's the end of the generations. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. All righty. Let's get to our main topic. This one was actually sent in by our friend Sam, who asked us a question on the questions one um and about how colors relate to games and how important they are to games um so i mean obviously it's very important i think i think it's uh definitely grown um over time in, in different ways and i think it depends on what game you're talking about how important um, colors are but i think they're a really good like visual indicator of different things um just off the top of my head so a game that we play a lot apex legends 
when you're running around, all the ammo boxes look exactly the same. The only difference is actually the color. Um, so that's how you differentiate between light ammo, heavy ammo, sniper ammo. There's, I, am I correct in that, Neil? There's no other visual indicator besides the color? Uh, no, there is not. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I, I, the icon is... looks different, doesn't it? In the, like, yes. The... If once you get very close to it, the icon. Yeah, yes, yes, but from far away, you just have the visual. Yeah, um, yeah, color is obviously hugely important. Um, and uh, as Dan said, it depends on your type of game. I mean, you can go from a lot of indies are doing very minimal things with it. Like, let's say you, you know, you you started you started I don't know some two D game and it's highly stylized and everything is shades of blue and mysterious and calm and you know, kind of dark. And as you go through the game, like, you know, some bright orange item appears in front of you, a crystal or a, you know, some form form of barrier. All of a sudden a new color palette is is uh is introduced to you. So you your eye is immediately drawn to something that is new. Um and I think through through simplicity, it's a way to guide your players. Um whether it to be whether it be like show them what is danger, show them a path forward, show them what's interactable. Um, and then color in a more, a more realistic game, a call of duty, a, a Skyrim. Um, I think that's, while that is not as nuanced, I think it's important in that it has so much to do with immersion. Like you really, you need to, even if you are creating a fantasy environment, it's still going to have a tree that's green. It's still going to have water that's blue or, you know, it's still, you, you still need to nail your basics. Um, and I think that, I think we just talked about this, um, but that's kind of where the, that's where the, the, the brown fatigue came out of, uh, you know, our, our generation of gamers in, you know, in last generation of, uh, uh, video games and in your fallouts and in your borderlands ones and in your oblivions everything's brown grimy uh you know it's this similar color palette where now as trends do we've bucked that and we're going you know the the fucking apocalypse is bright pink now deal with it uh <laughs> but yeah it it has so much to do with not only the tone of your game but uh I think the visual tone, but also the mood. Um, yeah, you know, a bright pink apocalypse game isn't isn't your, I don't know, gritty Walking Dead reboot where everyone's sad and your friends are dying. It's more like a throw caution to the wind. Fuck it, let's spray paint something pink and blow it up. Uh, it's it's more exciting. It's less serious and uh, kind of uh, not scary, but you know, there, it almost feels like there's less stakes yeah here at that yeah i was kind of thinking it's interesting in a way because i think that now color is more you know we're talking about like call of duty or something like that if there's a grenade near you they'll be when you're in this like realistic world they'll kind of have like a bright red grenade icon to kind of show you danger or whatever and i think there, there's that kind of thing or like when neil said to guide you and i was kind of thinking back like when games were more simple what were, were the colors like and were they was there any indication and i was kind of thinking that to some extent there were but you kind of had to learn and i was thinking a lot about mario where 
in no way does yellow suggest that i guess I, maybe the yellow block suggested that there were coins inside <laughs> to some extent but overall like um i think me, yellow just meant interactable that's true that's true and in, in the original and the original ones um but then to me like if i thought about a green mushroom just kind of outside of mario it's i would think that it would be bad. yeah <laughs> but in mario green mushroom is like the tops man oh yeah <laughs> so i wonder i kind of wonder you know in the past what their restrictions were or if they weren't thinking about it as much uh but yeah you can kind of tell all oh, the red mushrooms make me big the green mushrooms give me one up Although well, there I are poison mushrooms. I think it's probably more a symptom of <clears throat> limitations. Like you only have so many yeah. colors in a eight bit game. Back in the bit days. Yeah. <clears throat> and I don't know. The yellow I don't think is indicative of anything. I think it's just like a that's just the color they chose, probably kind of thing. And when you jump into that first one on accident and it explodes above you, you're like, Oh, like these things do something is more yeah i think that's less color driven than kind of more modern games are <clears throat> yeah and that's why i was wondering I, I was wondering if you know if maybe they thought about the colors at all or they're just doing what they could yeah uh, yeah I know, know. you know the only reason we use green is because they were like we'll just make just this guy color green this guy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we know that's player too. i yeah. think that's a the interesting about that is well, if you make a good enough game, uh, you set your own color palette. If you want, if you want friendlies to be red and danger to be blue, then go for it. No one does that. There's kind of a standard people have lived by, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, like I think of, um, in the most minimalistic example I can think of, I think of a, a hot point thirty zero dark thirty hot. What's zero it called? Hori zero Horizon Dawn? No, no, Perfect the one... Dark Zero? No, the one where you dodge bullets and go slow, and as you move fast, time moves fast. Super hot? Super hot, that one. <laughs> I'm sorry, where the fuck did you get <laughs> Zero Dark 30 on a super hot? I, it had, I don't know. Um, but it, in a game that... None of those words. It got me to where I needed to go to ask the question, <laughs> and now we're here. Let's continue. Uh... In that game, there's basically there's basically three colors. Any item that is black is a weapon or a cup or like a bat or a TV. It is something that's interactable, can be thrown, can be shot. Anything that is red is either a projectile or an enemy. And there's one other color. Oh, and then white is your environment. Um, walls, tables, everything is a shade of white. And I, I don't, maybe there's one other, one or two other colors in there, but they, they really stick to that limited palette. Um, for and, and simplistically, they they established quite a interesting style. I think uh, I was certainly drawn to it, and and it's even like it's basically polygons. Uh, uh, but through three colors, they made a pretty uh, a pretty interesting game. And then what was the other example beyond that? Uh, I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast, but I think I just talked about Mirror's Edge with someone. That old uh, parkour game. Do you mm -hmm. remember that? Yeah, um, that was another game that each realm you went to it was all about you know finding paths and platforming while kind of fighting. There's a little bit of combat in it, um, but they took each different realm you went to. You went from like corporate headquarters to corporate headquarters or whatever it was, neighborhood to neighborhood. Each one had a different color scheme, but since I think the first one was red, 
and you knew that it was kind of similar in uh, similar to uh, uh, Super Hot, and that it was very limited. The everything, like all of the interactable stuff on the building, and all the highlights were red, whereas everything else was kind of shades of black and white and gray. So you really saw your it had many paths, but it it, it showed you where you could go. Um, uh, just via color, and then you you get through the first level, and then the next level level it's all green. It doesn't matter that they changed red to green; they taught you to follow the color. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's whole games too that are made out of like interactions of colors and stuff. Like uh, Sam, who asked us this question a while back, probably two years ago now, was playing a game called Hue, where you. Uh, it's a puzzle game. It's like a puzzle platformer where you go through and you're trying to figure out the interactions of the world to kind of get through it. And the mechanic of it is that you can change the color of the background and anything that matches the color of the background ends up blended into the background. So it doesn't, you're not affected by it anymore. Right. Right. So you can't see it, but it also doesn't affect you anymore. So it gives you a lot of uh, like interactivity of the world so that you you can kind of mess with how other things... I don't know if it messes with how other things interact or just how you interact with them, but it's definitely a really cool idea uh, in how you can use color as a mechanic and not just mm-hmm. as like an informing... Yeah. of Informant of mechanics or just as an art style kind of choice. Right. Yeah. And there are a lot of games that do use color as kind of a mechanic. Uh, but yeah. I think Hugh does it in a really good way of like using color itself as the mechanic. Yeah. Um, speaking back, just going back to Mario, because we found like you're talking about the fact like they created these things and it might have been due to limitations or choice or whatever it was, but how they became iconic, like now we know the red mushroom makes you big yeah. and they can't change it. You know, Mario is now 35 years old and 35 years from now, that mushroom still has to be red and still has to make you big. Green mushroom still has to give you life. So it is interesting how then our brains get tied to that. You know, they can't switch them. Um, <coughs> like Fable did that randomly. So we all know in any fantasy game, health is red, mana is blue. <laughs> There isn't one of the fables flip flop, Neil. Didn't the drive us bananas? Uh, yes, but I don't think they didn't they switch like XP, which is green, um, with mana. They did, yeah, but they did something weird. They did something weird, yeah. XP was always green, and then the like archery was always yellow in that game. It was something, and they flipped them, and it it drove me nuts. (laughs) I don't think I played that fable for more than like a couple hours, mostly due to the color. Um, but it is interesting how we're tied to that, and then. Um, Super Mario World uh, for the SNES, I think they did a lot more with color because that was the one where you'd get those little boxes that were dotted and they'd be like green, right? Yeah. Or they'd have yellow or they have blue. And if you could find that switch, that hidden switch in the world, they would all fill in and it would like open up these secret areas mm-hmm. or make an area easier to pass. And I always thought that was really interesting um, <clears throat> and, and a cool way to have you see, like, okay blue and then i hit the blue switch in another level and like okay now i have to remember where all the blue things were uh, but i thought that was a cool indicator and a neat way to do make some kind of secret or, or change in your world 
Yeah, I mean, Mario's done that. I mean, Mario 64 mm-hmm. had red coins and blue coins. Yeah. All the Dooms have, have always had, like, red key card, green key card. And to a certain point, like, it doesn't matter. You could have just given me a key. I'll find your door. Like, uh... Yeah. <laughs> uh but it is much nicer to be like, okay, that door is blue. My card is blue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. I think it just it's it simplifies things because it's I think it's much easier to visually look at a blue door and go, hey, okay, the blue door opens it. Then I have to be like, okay, but my card says one on it and then have to find the number. I think it's just much more visual and you don't have to do and the color like transcends language and stuff too as well. So you don't have to you know yeah. do all this stuff. I found a lot of color uh kind of iconography while I was researching and red is really interesting red means a lot of things to a lot of people uh it's commonly referred to as the first color we named which i i don't know if that's true i don't know if there's any way to check i was actually just talking about this the other day uh there is like a linguistic kind of school of thought where there are orders to what colors get names in languages so and it's always red first it's like black and white light and dark and then red and then green and then hmm. it's like blue yellow pink really yeah i mean i red like that you you are wearing a red haven shirt clinton <laughs> <laughs> and we can just see it say red across <laughs> uh i think the school of thought is that fire and blood do very Important early things yeah things. uh you know, we're obviously huge fascinations and stuff. So uh, the that got named first. Red got attached to it, but then throughout that, it's it's come to, you know, it it uh, when I see red, maybe this is my brain training me as, or I've trained my brain as a gamer, uh, gamer, and as you know, someone who's more used to like stop signs that I am, you know, royalty. But it used to mean like courage and honor and uh and uh you know kingdoms and stuff like that but now i see it as danger projectile blood like my rorschach test is all bad things Um, (laughs) well i i agree with that to some extent because i think that red can mean danger but it also means life because usually your health meters are red you're yeah but i think of the I think of the life coming out rather than life going in. Right, but um, Link's hearts are red. Yeah, uh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, it's just weird that it has it. It does. It occupies kind of a weird dichotomy in my my brain. And I think the same thing goes for green. Um, blue is rarely bad, but green is like experience, or it's if I am getting attached. Yeah, if I'm getting attacked by a guy and his sword turns green, I'm like I'm probably about to get poisoned the something yeah. like that yeah green is good or it's poison <laughs> yeah yeah for sure yeah blood is usually or blood blue i think you know you either get your water i think blue wisdom yeah usually. or like magic or mysticism yeah. but um i think you know in addition to that they're just really tied to the elements as well the colors so yeah you know red means danger but it's also could be because of fire of which is also dangerous. Green probably means poison because it's usually like a plant-based kind of thing or a nature-based kind of thing. You know, you kind of get your blue with your water and your ice and all that. So kind of like Clinton was saying with like the black and white being part of the light and dark as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, 
as in my I'm not a graphic designer in in the firm I work for, but it is always really interesting to hear people talk about uh about color schemes and the marketing that we do. Like, I mean, go look at you go look at any Michael Bay poster and you're going to see blue and orange. Um those are two complementary yet uh, two complementary colors on the on kind of opposite sides of the color wheel whereas like you can do that with what are the colors purple and green are fit the same deal but you don't you don't want to see those colors together they don't work um whereas like go look at like the poster for like polar express or any kids adventure movie you're going to see blue and gold it's it's classic it's family friendly it's adventure um and it's been it's been interesting to see video game marketing through that lens. Uh, like I think the Mass Effect is blue and orange. Uh, the, ori- the original Halo I looked at, it does not fit that scheme. They're pretty like Master G for it. It's just green, which is interesting. They kind of wrote suit there. For being a game that's all about combat evolved, they're like blue and green, and th- that's pretty much it. They got like, I think there's a planet in the background, but there's really nothing bright shining out well i think that with that versus you know green is kind of like the military color so i think you kind of get you kind of get that i think the other thing with halo that um people i think it's kind of out of context now is the fact that before shooters were very gray before halo shoot like you just went down hallways and you shot people in gray hallways yeah that's what uh Goldeneye was. That's kind of what Doom was. Yeah, that's what all it was. So Halo was, and that's why the first level of Halo is a it's a gray hallway. You fight in gray hallways in the first level of Halo, and then you land on Halo, and you're suddenly in this big wide open place. And that was supposed to. It's almost like Dorothy turning into color, like that was kind of what they were going for. So I think people do miss that, and I think that's what they were trying to show with the the front of the box was. You were on a planet and it has color and it's not just we're not sitting in hallways shooting each other anymore. Yeah, that that's a really interesting way. Um, yeah, that's a good point you just brought up. That's a that's a great way to 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 limit to deprive someone uh, some of to deprive your players of something, you know, you're going to get them later just to show mm-hmm. them the scope of how your combat's evolved. Hey, um, <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Halo. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, I hadn't thought about that, but you're totally right. That's a great point. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of games do that. Like um, I was playing Gree, and that's a game that's very about color. And everything starts gray, and you like go and collect the colors, and they get bigger. You know, they, the world becomes more vibrant. I think there's definitely, I'm sure if we sat and thought, we could think about different worlds that do games that deprive you of color until you enter a certain area or, or something like that. Um, I think it's just a really powerful and classic thing to do. Why are pokeballs red? I guess courage. I don't know why pokeballs are red, but you know, that's another way. All the pokeballs have different uh, colors as well. There's like great balls and mash balls and net balls. And... Well, Pokemon just color in general usually has sure. like, a element associated with it. Water's always blue. Fire's always red. Ghosts always kind of purpley. Yeah. Fairies confu- like pink and yellow. It'd be confusing if there was, if anything was different. However, I think there is like, you know, a toad that's a water type, but we kind of just see him as a, as a frog. So we understand that. Yeah. In a different way. 
for sure. You're a frog. Um, you're a frog. Got him. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I was thinking, kind of thinking about like one of the most colorful games I've played recently, and I gotta say, like Mario Odyssey is one that stands out and that is just filled with color. Yeah, a lot of fun. And I think, and I think that just kind of screams fun at you. Yeah, even <laughs> even in uh... fun. Yeah, <laughs> even in uh, Valhalla, like the first area is very kind of dark and dreary. Uh, it's Norway. It's snow and it's gray and it's rocks mm-hmm. and it's just like oh, it's winter, fun, yay! And then you go to England and it's green and there's trees with leaves on them and they even like met, like remark on it like oh, I've never seen this much green and stuff like, mm-hmm. which is kind of funny because like obviously Norway has like some yeah. amazing green vistas and stuff yeah like... i think that's supposed to be also it's supposed to be a metaphor for like finding new land and yeah 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 and that's like... what I, and that's what i'm saying is that like it's they use it as kind of like this new chapter opening in avor and sigurd's life as like a metaphor for that kind of stuff it doesn't red dead redemption Two also kind of start in a uh, start snowy... like a blizzard, yeah, 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 and then you find your way into like a more which yeah, also has a kind gets, of similar it gets line more and more green and land, like right? tropical as shit is getting worse and worse. So. <laughs> 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 you end up um, in Tahiti or whatever as shit is literally crumbling around you, and you have think, tuberculosis. <laughs> uh, that. That's another reason Dan and I will never stop talking about the Shivering Isles DLC of Oblivion, uh, being as we had each put and put I, I don't know hundred a hundred hours if not more into that game before that DLC came out, and you know we are loving this brown green gray castle forest space, and then we go into this mystical glowing fungi like enemies are purple. There's lights, mushrooms are lights, and magic's happening everywhere. It it really teleports you to a different, uh, just just a different play space. You feel like you're really somewhere else. Somewhere, yeah, kind of mystical and strange and alien. Whereas when yeah. you're already playing a fantasy game, you're like, oh shit, this is like, this is the big league. Yeah. I thought I was in Magic World, now I'm in Magic World. Yeah. And the Oblivion exactly. Gates, I think, work the same kind of way in... In yeah, in the game. same like, in the same way, in Doom, you always start in a space station, but eventually you end up in hell. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, and 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 I still say this, and maybe I haven't played Oblivion in a long time. But I think the Oblivion is more colorful than Skyrim for the most part. Yeah, I, um, I would agree with that. Unless you're like yeah. around Riften or whatever, but yeah, but even Oblivion's pretty yellow in its kind of sepia toned. Yeah. No, no need to play that game again. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those games where you're like, now that I know, like, I wish I could play it again, but now that I know what the new games are like, like yeah. there's no, there's no sprint. Like, how are yeah. you gonna do that? <laughs> there's no sprint. But, yeah, I thought you could level up your like speed or whatever. And you you can, can level up your speed, but there's no sprint. But okay. Oh no, I'm talking about Skyrim. Oh, I probably, I, wouldn't, oh. Be, I probably wouldn't be able to play Oblivion either, but. Yeah, I, I can maybe I've tried Skyrim to play Skyrim mod. again, and I get through the tutorial. I'm like, eh, yeah, that's enough. I remember this game. I, I see. I tried to load it up, and I didn't even have the the patience to like figure out what mods made the easy start thing work. <laughs> nah. 
<laughs> I've seen Courtney play it for so many hours. I don't think I need to. <laughs> she's already played it for probably a thousand hours. That that wouldn't surprise me. She's if she's around a thousand, that would not surprise me. But um, that's not even that much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a thousand hours for it's like some games. Like that's like chump change. Like, I yeah, don't but for, know for like a single player kind of experience. Yeah. It's pretty high. So, you know, we might have like a thousand hours in Overwatch. Like Halo overall. <laughs> I'm sure like I'm up there in Overwatch. I wonder yeah. how many I have in Apex. Not a thousand, but I'm up there. It's like just uh, over a month in time. It's okay. a, a lot of time. Um, like, yeah, probably what, 40 some days? 40, I don't know, 40 some days? Yeah, because Courtney got to the point where she had so many saves that her game wouldn't save anymore. On her <laughs> and that was a second because she had played, started to play it on the 360 and had played through multiple times on the Xbox One. Anyway, we're not talking about how many times my wife is. We just we are. So in summation, uh, obviously oh, there's a before well, you before you summate. <laughs> I would like to um, mention that because color is so important in games, um, one thing that I I don't think any of us have or struggle with, but that's why color more and more colorblind settings um, oh, yeah, are huge. huge. So um, you'll see that more and more if a game comes out without colorblind settings, it's like the number one thing that's requested. Um, I mean, it's, gotten imagine... to, it's gotten to the point where like even the gaming community, people who aren't colorblind will post on reddits and stuff just to get the conversation out there yeah because i mean imagine i know that we talked about how there's different icons for weapons like when in apex but imagine if you know two colors didn't you couldn't differentiate between two colors how hard would apex be to just know what what you, know, ammo you need and yeah or what gun you what shield level you have yeah yeah, yeah i'm that's not a good, i'm yeah. not oh. blaming among us at all but uh, or I'm not roasting them for this, uh, but they just got, I mean, they've been popular since the beginning of quarantine now almost. And I think just a month ago, there's a very common task where you attach red wires to red wires. You go red to red, yellow to yellow, blue to blue. And since colorblindness, which is not a, you know, not a one-stop shop, it's not everyone has the same issue. Everyone's is a little different, which makes it really difficult. They finally added like Shapes. the red, yeah, the, yeah, the red, Cords have an X on them. The yellow cords have a triangle, and the blue cords have a circle. Um, oh yeah, I think the colorblind setting. Uh, don't quote me on this, but I think the colorblind. Maybe it's Overwatch. Maybe it's Apex. Is actually like a slider. Um, you pick like whatever your deficiencies are, and then you can tweak from there. Um, yeah. yeah, so it's something to, that definitely needs to be addressed. It's, but yeah. I get how it's tricky because it's just not the same for anyone. Yeah, yeah. and Clinton mentioned. Uh the the shield levels in apex and, I, and it reminded me of another thing that had popped up is color had been, has been tied to rarity in games where but you not get, like necessarily in the same order i feel like not necessarily but i feel like white green goes, blue purple orange okay yeah, borderlands some, yeah. Yeah, somewhere around there. But Diablo I mean, even too. in like <laughs> Diablo's like that. And Hearthstone, it's white, blue, purple, um, orange, or gold, whatever. 
So I think it, they're usually close. Yeah. But it is interesting because was it Diablo? I don't know who started it, but it seems like I feel like Diablo is the first place I saw it. But they're always usually real close. Oh, they definitely brought it to the forefront. I'm sure they stole it from somebody. But my cat is screaming. Okay, now you can put in summary. I just wanted to mention the color blindness and then the rarity. Um, I thought my house growing up was gray. Or no, my house growing up was gray. And Mason, um. But to this day, my family tells me it's brown, and I still haven't figured out if if one of like my rods and cones are a little bit off, or if they've just been fucking me, fucking with me for twenty nine years. Or what if you just have a false memory of it? I what lived there until I was no, in no, high no. school. No, no, no. You know what it is. You're from a parallel dimension where your house was gray, and in yeah. this dimension, it was brown. Yeah. And it's just a Nelson Mandela didn't die in prison died in prison bullshit fucking mm-hmm. the mandela effect? yeah that's okay. just so fucking dumb but, but like whoa Clint, what if the red i see is different than the red you see yeah what if you whoa. don't know how to spell berenstain and you thought it said berenstein <laughs> i, I found clinton's old man topic by the way i think oh i've bitched about this probably like six times on this podcast yeah. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I've said multiple times, if you think the, the Mandela effect is real, don't fucking listen to our podcast. <laughs> and if you think that my red is different than your red, like what if your red's blue, man? Then you're a fucking idiot, too, because yeah, that's, there are... That's like, not how science works. Yeah, wavelengths <laughs> that output from these things. <laughs> Wait, I the have... Mandela effect is the Mandela effect is the phenomenon of people misremembering. That is real. I don't... No, no, no. People that think the men, no, the Mandela effect, as it's described by people, is that they are from some other fucking parallel universe where Nelson Mandela died in prison and wasn't released, and so they. I thought it was just. I thought that was just its lead example. I thought it was like. A main like half of the culture just misremembering. I, I think you're you're both correct. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean that's that's what the, the actual thing is. It's like people are fucking stupid and memory is awful in ninety nine percent of situations. But yeah, there's so. a like flat earth group that says that there are parallel universes that people come from and that's what it is. It's not that you're mismemorying because you're fucking perfect. It's that you came from another dimension oh. where I was with the drive-by on Flat Earthers. Because <laughs> Flat Earthers are also fucking idiots. Because <laughs> they can fuck themselves too. Yeah. They can. <laughs> In two sentences, here, here's the sum of the Mandala effect. The Mandala effect is an unusual phenomenon where large groups of people remember something differently than how it occurred. Yeah. Else, conspiracy yeah. theorists believe this is proof of an alternative <laughs> universe, while many doctors use it as an illustration of how imperfect memory can be sometimes. Everybody's right. Okay. Yeah. Um. Well, in summation, uh, what was today's topic? Colors. Colors. Uh, Colors. I forgot what my summary points were. Color can be. Yep. I mean, it's up to good game design. If you do it well, color can do anything. It can be your puzzles. It can be. It can be your player's path. It can be your player's warning signs. It can be. It it's one of the most important building blocks of a game. Yeah. Um, whether you're doing something minimal or realistic, 
I mean, color is such a huge part of modern life, I would say, as like dyes have been able to be synthesized and things. Like looking around my apartment, I can see pretty much every single color that like people think of when you say like name 15 colors. Like I can see a representation of all of them here in front of me. Like like color is such a huge part of our modern day life because we have dyes and the like opportunity to like make color important and i think that is really kind of why color becomes such a like and it is easy like it is easy to put red and blue next to each other for most people and like for them to like recognize the difference and it's a universal thing it's not like you have to explain color to people because it is so much a like natural thing so i don't know what i was doing with that but do you know another reason red started to symbolize royalty or 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 upper class because red dyes were harder to make and therefore were more expensive so that's, yeah that's with purple and blue too is the same kind yeah. of deal well yeah because if you're doing purple you got to have red and blue dye holy <laughs> shit rich rich Alrighty, well thank you guys so much for listening uh and or watching or whatever you did um check us out on uh, facebook twitter uh when you go there you can check out you know our, our uh, red logo and you go oh that's party foul or you can check out our, our blue and white logo and go, oh that's game goose yeah really recognizable trying to tie it back in i think i'm kind of just being annoying should we <laughs> should we change all the colors on the uh logos yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh listen to us on itunes spotify wherever you listen to your podcast check us out on twitch uh, every tuesday even though today's wednesday we had a little scheduling conflict and on youtube uh clinton do you want to tell us about the other shows that we have on? yeah Party we Party? sometimes play uh board games uh if we're not playing D D. uh people have been busy though i mean it's that time of year people start getting real busy even in covid times there's a lot going on and uh, people have a lot in their lives that they can't necessarily skip for board games, but we'll play board games when we can, uh, and we'll play D and D every other week on Mondays when we can as well. Our DM is a very busy man right now, uh, so as soon as his schedule kind of lets up and we have some time to do that, we'll get back into Amber Rush. It's our homebrew actual play campaign where you can listen to us be heroes in our own little world because everyone needs a hero you know I'm holding out for a hero, hero. sorry <laughs> all right can you just cut the, the episode there <laughs> <laughs>